This is the John Oakley Show podcast. We continue on till the top of the hour. It's the all-new and improved Oakley Show, where uh, we hand it off at 6 o'clock to the Global Evening News with Farah Nasser and Alan Carter. We continue on into the home stretch now with our panel, Adrian Batra, Mike Van Solen, and Kim Wright. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville, pound 3636. Closer to home, Adrian Batra, I know you got your finger on the pulse when it comes to all matters emanating from council. Uh, <laughs> This is budget week, and Gary Crawford and the mayor coming out yesterday saying, well, you know, we're managing to hold the line at inflation. And I'm wondering to myself, is inflation running close to 4%? Uh, because, you know, the tax increase itself is, what, 2.55? But then you've got the add-ons, you know, even the, the rebate on the smaller garbage bins has been taken away. And it's all, you know, cha-ching, 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 it adds up. Water's being increased, waste disposal uh, being increased as well. How do you see it? Well, this is... The narrative that they are giving us, of course, is that Mayor Tory was elected and then, of course, re-elected and saying that I'm only going to increase um, property taxes by the rate of inflation. But uh, that seems like a moving target these days. I mean, I'm not quite sure exactly uh, what it is either. But I think it's less about the mill rate going up and it's more about all of the uh, the extras, you know, like Sue Ann Levy wrote about it today in the Toronto Sun. And th- there is no one that goes to council and says, stop spending money or, or could we find efficiencies or find savings or even maybe um, let's revisit some of these programs that we're putting out there and we're not necessarily getting a lot of our you know bang for the buck, so to speak. But the city has also been straddled um, and saddled with a huge cost from the federal government trickling down with respect to the um, refugees. refugees that have come in. Mm-hmm. And so there's that's an issue. But then you have a little bit less sympathy for them because then they became made Ontario or made Toronto a sanctuary city. So, look, there's large issues at play here. Bottom line is this. We're going to be paying more. We're probably going to get less. And people will still be, um, you know, will pay their bills and their snow won't necessarily be covered and or cleared. And then when it melts in a week, no one will remember. Mike Van Solen, I have to ask you about something. Well, uh, in the uh, lead up to this budget week last week, somebody floated a report out of Ryerson University by a prof there named Frank Clayton, who said Toronto could well stand a 20% budget increase <laughs> or, or tax increase, my sure. apologies, because uh, relative to other communities around the GTHA, uh, were taxed at one of the lowest rates. I think only Milton, Tecumseh, New Tecumseh, uh, Georgina are lower than us. Right. And so you've got people in places like uh, Oakville and uh, next door, Oshawa, Whitby and whatever, uh, kind of look longingly and say, why are those guys getting a break? So what do you make of that kind of presentation that because uh, we need desperately transit, the community housing file is backlogged to a point the repair bill now is like $2.6 billion. He says, we'll never address this unless we chew down on the reality and increase our taxes by at least 20%. What do you make of that? Well, I think it's ridiculous. Um, Look, I I see the mayor and and his supporters on council working hard to sort of manage the cost pressures that we have as a city. The truth is Toronto is different than uh, the cities that lie uh, around it. Uh, We have to host, uh, you know, People come in here to work. Uh, uh, the, uh, the the transit that we support isn't just for Torontonians. It's for people from all around the GTHA. Uh, we need support of upper levels of government to really make this city uh, function and, and to be financed properly. 
and as uh, as uh, uh, Adrian points out, we have as well them downloading services and responsibilities on on the the city that are uh, beyond its control, and it's beyond beyond the ability of just the residents of the city to support. Um, so uh, I I get it that someone wants to increase taxes. I think the mayor and, and the staff are trying to do their level best to sort of keep it at a reasonable figure to deliver services that we need and. Excuse me. And what they really need to do is is look to the upper levels of government to properly support a city that that's, uh provides services uh, to well beyond the the residents of uh, of this uh, city. You know, Kim, I've often uh, maintained that perhaps the um, citizenry of Toronto could be sold on a a tax increase slightly above inflation. It's just that there's this all-pervasive cynicism that the money's going into general revenue would be misspent anyway. So they want to hold the line. They don't trust the people with their fingers on the till to do right by us. Am I wrong? This Every tax increase that has been contemplated, the question continues to be, can this be a dedicated to X? If you're going to do a congestion charge, can it be to fix roadways? Are you going to do things that are very much dedicated? And even when they brought in a billboard tax uh, under David Miller, it was supposed to go to arts funding. And that was how it was sold to council. So, but it doesn't. It goes to general revenues and then they sort of figure it out. I have to say, you know, Mike is absolutely right when he talks about other orders of government giving the keys over to very expensive programs and not paying up their fair share of it. You know, you look at on you know what used to be Ontario Housing, which is now TCHC, the state of good repair backlog would fell lesser uh, governments than what the city of Toronto is trying to manage. And they're not, frankly, managing it all that well because they don't have the resources to do it. And I think there needs to be a rethink about how what services we have, what services we want. You know, it's a great program idea and concept and, and some of the implementation around uh, the poverty reduction strategy that the, that the mayor has brought forward. How do we do this? What are the things that governments should be involved in? Are there better ways to deliver those services? Are there more efficient ways? But also, what is the benefit of it to the citizens of Toronto? And I think that there are some extraordinary programs that need to be preserved, and there are some other programs that need to be looked at hardly. And that's that's part of the problem, right, is the city council has spread their tentacles so far into so many different pots. They are getting into things that the feds and the province should be doing, frankly. Um, but aren't. That, but aren't. I get that. But this is, but then it's not municipal council's uh, uh, obligation to. And and so as a, as a citizen, as a taxpayer, yeah, you're, you will pay your share. You will pay what you're billed, but then you have an expectation on the other side of it too. True. And that's, I think, where the frustration that you mentioned comes in is mm-hmm. you don't think, like I'm paying more and more and more and more. Yeah, and they don't maybe, see their snow plowed on and, their sidewalks. And like I, I, the the study you referred to last week was the Ryerson. I think right. it was Ryerson or something. Yep. They did that. Uh, yeah, fine. Our mill rate is lower, but our values are so much higher here. That's mm-hmm. why you know we're paying these right. exorbitant property taxes. But we also have a value as a city of how do we ensure that people are being cared for, that our city is clean, especially relative to other communities, and that we're also providing services that other, I mean, I grew up in a small town. They don't even have a bus or a taxi service, let alone the extraordinary services that uh, Torontonians have come to not only anticipate, but expect. And your point about, you know, that you're paying more for garbage. Well, part of that is that they're trying to get people to 
to actually divert more. So there is mm. actually a reason for it. Mm. Um, you know, is it's it, almost is like it a carbon perfect? tax? Is it perfect? No, but mm. you do want people to have a better sense of what their services are sure. and what what they're actually paying for. All right. Uh, you know, when I alluded to the carbon tax, uh, Justin Trudeau's in town, Danforth Music Hall tonight at 715. He's going to be trying to sell Ontarians or Torontonians on the carbon tax. Uh, he wanted to change the channel. I think it's been changed on him. Do you use a remote control when you politically try to change the channel? I'm curious about that. I don't think there's Asking a... for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Justin Trudeau is uh, effectively on the ropes right now, and uh, it remains to be seen. I think it'll be an interesting one because here's a guy who really stood on image, and uh, that's in tatters now. Credibility is sort of uh, shredded as well. Hey, speaking of heartthrobs, though, I've got to ask as a parting kind of a question whether or not uh, this death of Luke Perry has hit you because this might have been a coming-of-age thing. With I'm just uh, going to sit back. Devastated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, devastated. I am so both. sad. Yeah. Well, wait, wait a minute. What, what is the him. whole point uh, or the reason that you're devastated? Because Dylan 25- McKay. I mean, the, I was, the it black was the 90s. Porsche. It was 90210. He was this brooding, very attractive guy that dated Brenda on 90210. He had, like, the cigarettes rolled in his sleeve. Yeah, he was and, a poor man's James Dean. Oh, he was fabulous. It was basically I'm derivative. I'm very, very sad about that. It was absolutely derivative, but everything is derivative under the sun. But the no. point the point of it all was... <laughs> everything is derivative under the sun. Practically. No. So, I mean, look, you know, You're Luke talking Perry to an and, original right here, but and, go ahead. <laughs> You being, well you. you being OG, absolutely, I'll give you that. Mm. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of women who and men who, let's not be heteronormative here, uh, oh. who oh, watched uh, who watched 90210, the original series, and went, yeah, you were either a... You were either a Brandon or you were a Dylan. That's who you're, you were had an affinity for. And some people, you know, wanted the bad boy and the brooding, you know, sitting on the beach in his poncho. And yes, absolutely. We all, we all dug Luke Perry just a little bit. We all did. Uh, don't include Mike or me. I mean, seriously, that's presumptuous. Well, and then he was on um, this new show. Riverdale. 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 Yeah. So he was Archie's dad, Mr. Andrews. Well, now that's derivative, too. He took it right out of the comics. And look, he, he um, was in Have you f- seen Riverdale? Yeah. It's limited a lot from the comics. Oh, has and, it? And he oh, was I'll also in my favorite spoiler movie. Spoiler alert. Mm. Archie has intimate affair with... Miss Grundy. That's Ooh. how much. Oh, come on, that's the sick. comic you, book. Mrs. Robinson <laughs> has uh, deviated <laughs> Wait from. Wait a minute. Uh, the show has deviated from the comic book. Whoever but, developed the comic ought to sue. I mean, anyway, that's a cultural appropriation. And personally, very sad about Luke Perry. And then Luke Perry was also in my favorite movie, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Also wow. a winner. Original, the original movie, not the uh, TV show. Wow. So a lot of. I never a, realized how sad a day it was. A lot of kids, <laughs> a lot of boys were named Dylan and Brandon after uh, during those years of uh, 90210. It had yeah. nothing to do with Bob Dylan? No. no. Really? Really? Okay. Really? All based on that. Uh, all right. Uh, and what was the name of uh, the character that was played by Tori Spelling? Oh my gosh. Donna. Donna. Yeah, a lot of girls were Donna named and Donna David. too. It was Donna and David. Donna and David. Yeah, no one wanted to take, No one liked David. Sad. He was kind of a. It's wimp. a sad day. Uh, okay. hey, by the way, speaking of the climate change thing, I'm just curious very quickly because Donald Trump has put together a climate panel to challenge the prevailing wisdom, if you will, or uh, conventional thought on climate change, basically saying the science is not settled. Is this going to be a winner for him politically, Adrian? Well, I think um, really anything that Democrats try to throw at Donald Trump is is a winner for for President Trump. So they'll say that he's an um, you know a denier and all that. So yeah, he'll make it work for him. 
Mike Van Solen, I mean, is this taking things in the right direction? I mean, what's what's the thought process behind this? Hey, well, look, uh, I think uh, Donald Trump uh, actually, you know, questions the science, uh, believes it's a bit of a conspiracy that uh, everybody has spot hook, line, and sinker, and he's trying to go down this path of challenging the science. I think it's ultimately a mistake, uh, you know, to, to go that route. I think the reason the, the, to support the current U.S. administration's approach to climate change is actually a question of geopolitics. You can't have the U.S. Uh, be further ahead on this than a country like China. Um, so they need to, to go in lockstep. They have to believe the science uh, together, and they need to... I think it's like mutually assured destruction. It's a bit of a mad strategy uh, that will ultimately get uh, the big uh, countries to the table. Uh, the U.S. and China together are 45% of all the greenhouse gas emissions. I don't think the U.S. can lead on this unless China's right there with them. So I would go after the geopolitical uh, realities of fighting climate climate change, and I wouldn't mess with the science myself. But you know, when you say you wouldn't mess with the science, I'm kind of bewildered because he's rolling out a number of people with credentials, you know, uh, a whole alphabet behind their names, PhDs galore, uh, NASA scientists. So it does beg the question, is the science in fact settled? Why would these people stake their own reputations on doing something that seems like it's heresy? Kim Wright, quickly, last word. There will always be some in the scientific community who don't believe in this. There are always, for the same reason, there are some in the scientific community who somehow don't believe in evolution. Uh, no. And, and there are some, you know. There are no, look, b- nobody I, I in the scientific. I am happy for some of them to just well, go to the end of the earth and see if it's actually flat. I don't believe so there's it, anybody in the scientific community you that You can thinks find the earth somebody is, with no. a whole bunch of letters after their name who mm. will make that a thing. Right. And so you can always <laughs> find someone to do that. So. You know, we're getting the wrap-up sign, but, uh, you know, honestly, they need to go to the end of the earth and see whether or not they're still in it, if it's still curved. All right. Well, uh, we're going to the end of the show, Uh, not the end of the earth, but you can see it from here. Uh, I appreciate you all coming in, Adrian Batra, Mike Van Solen, and Kim Wright. And we're going to wrap. That's the new and improved John Oakley Show in the afternoon. Starts after 3, and we uh, culminate at 6 o'clock. And I want to thank Jackie Lamport. And Mary Feely and you, we're back tomorrow, uh, right after 3 o'clock. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.